What's going on, party people? I am super excited because we have a lot going on today. This is the seventh episode of TV Channeling. It's the first show of the new season. My name is Tachi. And I am Kevin. And it's a really big day because not only are we doing our top five favorite food TV shows, we are having our very first guest in the history of TV channeling. Tachi, who is our first guest? Okay, well, I'm going to let him introduce himself because he can do himself justice better than I can. But I will say his name is Chad. Go ahead and introduce yourself, Chad. What's going on, everybody? I'm Chef Chad Cherry, representing Refresh Live and uh, Chef Culture. Um, All things relevant to culinary in South Florida, this is what we do, food, education, and lifestyle. Fantastic. Okay, so tell us a little bit of of what that is. You're putting it out there, but it sounds so interesting. So dig more a little bit. Okay, so... um, when you're a chef, the first thing you think is, hey, look, this guy cooks and, you know, he cooks somewhere. But the question is where, how, how do I find you, especially when you taste it? That's the question I get all the time. I'm a little different. I um, used to focus on meal delivery. Uh, my goal was to make sure that everybody, no matter what class, basically, no matter how much money you had, you could still eat right. Eat like you're eating five star, even if you don't have that five star paper. Um But that has led me into the path of doing a lot of work with nonprofits. So catering and getting out into the communities that that are underserved in terms of food. That's where I'm at. Um, I do pop ups occasionally here in South Florida. I'll be starting to do a regular pop up uh, at a new coffee shop called The Grind and education, cooking demos, lunch and learns, um, garden tours, grocery tours, really digging into um, to, to making food relatable again. So it's not just this foofy, pretty stuff that you look at that you don't want to touch because it's so beautiful on your plate. And then when you do eat it, you're like, wow, that was nice, but it's so small. I'm still hungry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm the guy that says that food should be, you know, what it was for our grandparents, right? So I'm bringing food back to the people. And um, lifestyle is chef culture, which we mentioned. And that is basically putting together a network of chefs uh, under the principle that no man is an island, right? We're all out here with the same passion for culinary, sweating in the kitchen. I mean, literally, you know, kitchen is rough. But um, what would happen if we came together and we leveraged our strengths and we said, hey, this is a platform that all of us can win with, not a platform to compete with. Just, you know, true brotherhood of chefs. So Chef Culture is in the works right now. That's being released this year. Wow. Okay. So, you know, food, <laughs> nothing else, you know, food. Oh yeah. I got yeah. You. And we're on, and this is a, it's great that we have an expert for our very first top five TV food shows. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Exactly. So that's what we're talking about today. Kevin, do you want to start us off or shall we? Well, I feel uh, like should... we should let our illustrious guest be the first one to give um, us, us his first of top five list. Okay, what is fantastic. number one on your what is the first of your uh, list of favorite food TV shows? Uh, I see how you do Ke- do me, Kevin. You just can throw me out there. OK, um, <laughs> I got <laughs> uh All right. My top my top show is, is actually Iron Chef. That is one of the oldest TV shows it is the most respected, no fake in a funk. If you win there, you can win anywhere. It's Iron Chef. Oh, wow. my God. That is a great pick. Wow. Now, are you partial to Iron? When you said Iron Chef, do you just mean Iron Chef, the original, or Iron Chef America, or both? Oh, man. Oh, man. Listen, right. Um, right now, Iron Chef America, because that, that's what we grew up on. But if you remember the Iron Chef original, when Bobby Flay stood on the counter after beating Morimoto, 
what? That was a moment, okay? That, <laughs> I mean, that was, man, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, Iron Chef America, that's, that's what you're looking for. I, yep, that's the one. Iron Chef America. So if I could interject, I have to, because it kind of go, one of mine kind of goes along with his. Iron Chef was on my list too, but the original Iron Chef. Mm. Ooh, hardcore. Because it's theater. It wasn't so much even about the food, it's theater. And just the whole concept of Iron Chef and being able to make something out of nothing or to make a way out of no way. Because, of course, you know, they always had these, I I shouldn't say god-awful ingredients, but these ingredients that you're like, what the hell are we going to do with this? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like really who put sweetbreads who did it who did it? it was you wasn't it i see exactly 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 and then the the flips that he would do that the host would do coming in and it was just pure theater and of course the thing is too the voiceover where it's like you know that's not quite the meaning of what they're saying um i thought it would be sour but it was actually quite sweet you know that's not quite it no no not really <laughs> <laughs> but so that that it's the whole theatrics of the original Iron Chef that that has me. So I'm with you, but I also do like Iron Chef America, definitely. Yeah, man. So yeah, that that's top. That's number one right there. All right. So Tachi, what is the first pick for you on your list? Okay, my first pick uh, because I actually love Iron Chef, but my first pick is I took it back, Julia Child. The French oh chef. wow! Yeah, a rich old school. That she was the she was the pioneer of food television. Absolutely. Before everybody came out and there were these celebrity chefs, there was Julia Child. And I don't know if you've ever seen the um, movie Julia, Julia and Julia. Julia, yep, um, yes. yes. That that was a great that was a great film because it had narrative to it, but it actually gave you some insight into the life of Julia Child. So I'd actually seen. Of course, they've done things on PBS that uh, featured clips from the show and then people talking about her. Those were informative, but I actually really learned a lot from uh julia julia in terms of being at uh was it was it cordon bleu in it was and when she yes. overseas it was cordon bleu in paris the original cordon bleu the original cordon bleu yeah exactly exactly i think and being a woman doing that at the time she was doing it she was a pioneer because yep. you know everybody thinks about women and cooking but when they think chefs they only think men Man. no offense chad no no <laughs> Correct. I mean, that's one of the things we battle for right now. When we talk about chef coach, we talk about women in the kitchen and and getting the respect they deserve. In Julia's case, you saw in the movie where you saw how they treated her in class. She went home with 50 pounds of carrots and 50 pounds of onions determined to work, you know, and that's the attitude that made her great. But yeah, definitely. Absolutely. So it's, you know, it's also that story of triumphing over adversity, Mm -hmm. that whole thing of, and you know, we all get told you have to work twice as hard to get half as much. And you see that personified in Julia Child. So then she gets this show, The French Chef. And I I remember when I was little, because I used to watch it when I was little. Actually, PBS was the advent of all these cooking shows you see now on cable. It started on PBS. So I remember she was putting beer and eggs one time, and don't ask me why. I don't know what the hell she was making, but I said, beer and eggs? This woman can't cook, because you know I'm Nigerian, and Nigerians don't eat stuff like that. But like it's only later on down the line you're like, oh, okay, I understand. But that was my first real memory of it, but I was glued ever since then. So yes, Julia Child is probably my first one. Oh, and she definitely, Julia Child was responsible for opening up 
Americans' idea of what food was and what it could be. Yes. Absolutely. Okay, so I'm going to give you my first pick. And I don't know if either would either of you would have seen it because it's a tiny bit obscure. Um, there was a show that was on for a couple of seasons. It was called Take Home Chef. And it premiered on TLC, of all places, uh, May 15th, 2008. And it ran till uh, March 7th. 2007, I believe. And the show was hosted by Chef Curtis Stone. And what I loved about the show, it actually had a a cooking show with an actual premise. And the premise of each episode, what was so great about it to me was it started off with him just being in a, he would just, he'd show up with a camera crew into a random high-end grocery store, uh, initially here in somewhere in Southern California. It would normally uh, uh, be something like a Whole Foods that he'd, he'd show up in. And he would just wander down the aisles of the store asking people with their shopping carts like hey what are you shopping for um you know are you doing anything tonight and so he'd be looking for someone and when someone would be smart enough to say i'm shopping and i am making dinner for my spouse or a friend or it's somebody's birthday then curtis stone would offer to uh come home with the person in the in the grocery store and cook dinner for them and their guest and the cool thing was he not only would he like uh, help he'd plan a menu on the spot based on what they or their friend or uh, the person that they were going to be, uh, you know, celebrating uh, what they liked. He would uh, also pay for their groceries by like he'd like because it was totally a product placement. He'd like whip out a creed like, oh, I'll pay for your groceries. The groceries are on me and my, you know, Citibank card. It's like, oh, OK, oh, great. Uh, <laughs> I think I'd better get some caviar. But anyway. <laughs> so he would pay for your groceries and the cool thing was the, they'd get in the person's car and it just it felt it, it felt so kind of like you didn't know what was going to happen and so the, one of the other things would all, that would always happen was on the way to the person's house he would need to stop at to give you an idea of what that about the fact that it was always a high-end grocery store he on the way he'd always need to stop at sir Latab. Another oh, product placement. Uh, oh, you know what? Oh, oh let's stop at Sir Latab on the way to your house because I need to get something to, uh, I need to get some stuff to make, uh, you know, your dinner. And he would stop and he'd buy some new piece of equipment and he'd educate us about this, like, you know, uh, new piece of equipment that he was, you know, a mandolin or something that he was purchasing for the person. Uh, and that was always a gift to them. And oh, by the way, keep this, like, you know, $800 mandolin. Uh, it's on me. <laughs> <laughs> and Citibank. Uh, so he would go to the person's house and they would start cooking. So he'd be educating the person he was cooking with uh, about the food and about the preparation. And it was always a sense of excitement because the uh, person who was going to be showing up, they would have to call like their uh, spouse or whatever and say like, hey, honey, can you come home a little early or whatever? And then they come home and there's a camera crew there in their house and you get to see random kitchens because I like I've told Tachi in the past, Chad, that mm. I'm a person that I love in TV and movies. I love to kind of like apartment hunt or house shop and check out places. So it was so cool to see different random people's houses. Some houses were pretty incredible. 
some not so much so much so right? it was a really right. fun show the food that he would come up with uh on the spot the menu he would plan would be incredible and the show would end with the person being surprised and them trying the food and talking about it the only downside was the second season was a little different where people actually wrote in and they would ask uh curtis to come for a special event and then curtis would come but it so it lost something to me i love the spontaneity and the surprise of him just you know wandering around a grocery store and if somebody literally they they would look like a deer in headlights when he would approach them with a camera crew it was such a fun show and i wish that someone would bring it back hey you know what you might have someone right here because i'm not gonna lie to you man like you know how people ear hustle to people on the phone i am a cart hustler i walk through places because i shop every day so i'm always in a grocery store in my mind i'm like I wonder what they're making. I wonder what they're making. Oh, no, they can't cook. But that's okay, though. They can <laughs> Like, I mean, I know that sounds wrong with me. But that's what I do. As I'm shopping, man, I'm inventorying people's carts. I get online. I can literally tell you what you're making for the next couple of days based off your ingredients. And there have been times when I'll see someone about to mess up. And I'm like, hey, you know what? Not to be rude, but have you ever thought of adding such and such and such and such with this? And they'd be like, well, yeah, there you go. So yeah, the car hustler right here. Let's go. Oh my God. So anybody, any powers that be happen to be listening to this episode, you need to contact Chad and you need to resurrect take home chef. He has the skills to take it over. And Chad would be awesome. But Chad, I hope we are never in the grocery store at the same time. because I'm (laughs) sensitive about my ish. I don't want you looking at my car. (laughs) I'm polite about it. I mean, most of the time, you know. <laughs> hey, you why wouldn't you want that free advice? That's what's so great about it. You're getting some free advice from an expert. Um, why not ask a few questions? Absolutely. I'm just telling you, Chad, don't be looking at my card. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> okay, Chad, so what's the next TV uh, food show on your list? Okay, the next TV food show is the one and only Chopped. Okay, this is the original competition. So, well, not the original, but this is the one that I think made every chef in America say, I can do that and, uh, want to go on TV. But, um, I mean, it's, it's like the best of Iron Chef with live judging and, and a time limit, man. But it's, it's brutal. And it's one of those things where if you watch the first five minutes, you're going to watch the whole show, whether you want to or not. You've got to see what happens. Oh, my God, Chad, you are so right about how addictive that show is that you don't intend to watch the entire show. You start watching it and they're so clever about how they place those commercials because Mm -hmm. after you see them open up that basket with the crazy wacky ingredients that seemingly to a lay person couldn't possibly come together and they start basically um, coming up with their dishes and then when the cloud runs down and they have uh tr- rushing to get things on the plate and hands up if, even if your plate isn't together and they'll go to commercial and you're like oh what's gonna happen who's who's gonna be chopped it is it is really compelling it really is it really and it's never who you think it is when you first look at it so how much of this do you think is scripted reality and how much is actual reality um for chopped i think that that is reality um it's just it's just too random. Uh yeah, that's that's not scripted, not on chops. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and I know some of the chefs that have been on it, so uh-huh. that, yeah. Ah, so you have an inside well, not really an inside, but a little more insight than the rest of us do. Yes, yes, that, that pressure is real. 
Okay, now let me ask you a question because I've always been curious about this since you actually know some actual chef contestants. Mm -hmm. Do they kind of watch the show and study what some of the judges' likes and dislikes are? Because some of the judges can be really persnickety and have certain issues. Uh, because I remember how there's one judge that has a real issue with raw onions in anything and when any whenever i see that judge judging i can't remember what his name he's one of the hosts of the show uh the kitchen on food network um uh i don't know Jay-Z his- or jay i can't remember what his name is but yeah i mean hot sean carter but no no i him. we'll call him jay-z go ahead <laughs> wait wait um uh, no no the uh john zakarian zakarian i think they call him yeah. uh jay no, what's his first G- name? GZ or whatever, whatever his name is. The he has a real, he is very persnickety on there when he's judging, and one of his things is he has a problem with raw onions. And I've seen chefs be like, okay, I know he has an issue with wrong uh, raw onions, but I'm gonna cut him like extra thin, and he's gonna love it. And then the first thing he says when he's judging is like, well, first of all, you put raw onions in there, and just it just ruined your dish. Well, yeah, you know, that's an interesting question, because in our industry, that's the problem people have with the show. As a chef, it's like, look, it's not can I win Chopped? It's can I win the judges? You know, you don't know what the judges are looking for. You don't know who's going to be there. So you'll study that episode and you'll go back and you'll look through and you literally watch seasons because what you want to see is does those mystery ingredients. How do you work with those? Because as chefs, we don't just automatically know how to use every ingredient. You'll see the mystery ingredients, you'll learn those, and then you'll try to learn the judges, but they can surprise you with some random dude because just like product placement was on on Kurt Stone's show, these judges technically are like kind of product placement, right? And um, judge could be having a bad day. Like somebody could have literally put salt in his coffee and, and there goes your shot at chop. So you just... <laughs> <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Wow. Well, I have a question for you, Chad. Have you ever auditioned for or wanted to be on a reality cooking show? Oh, my gosh. I've wanted to be and um, so many times and I've been offered, but I haven't auditioned because of the contract. If uh, if I go on to one of those shows, even audition, whether I get it or not, I've got to pretty much sign a non-complete, which is going to preclude me from being able non-compete. I said non-complete, boy. Um Um, But no, this will preclude me from uh, being able to do a lot of the other stuff that I do. Guest appearances like I'm going to be doing the the Food Network food food and wine event on South Beach in a month. You know, things like that. Now, if I were to sign up for a TV show, I would actually have to ask permission like, hey, can I go do this festival because there's a chance I'm going to be on TV? Or if, um, you know, I've been on ABC, I've been on a couple of other TV, like local TV shows, I would have to write in and say, hey, can I do this? Because, you know, it's going to be on TV. And then let's say I write a book or this podcast we're doing. I have to get clearance. And if anything makes money, guess who goes to it first? Not me. So um, that's what they don't tell you about being on the shows. That's the trade off. And I haven't been willing to quite make that trade off um, because I think my trajectory is kind of different. Uh, so. You know, I want to. And if uh, Food Network, if y'all listen, if y'all can make it happen without that in contract, I'm your guy. And I think you're dreaming on that one. But you know what? We can all have dreams. <laughs> you gotta burst my bubble like that, though. You, you know, look, I know the TV industry. Uh, if, if you can make that happen, I will shake your hand. 
I'll come cook you a, a dish with raw onions. How about that? No, we, can, <laughs> yes, we can meet halfway. Tell me, hey, look, we're going to offer you a show. Then, yeah, I could see signing some agreements. But just to audition? Nah. <laughs> yeah, I feel you. I feel Yeah, that's you. actually but, huge information that you have to sign something to even audition. It's not. I, could, I agree with you. The idea that you're not even guaranteed a spot and then you have to uh, sign something just for the audition process is, is uh, pretty surprising. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's big business now. And in the, so here's the really thing that's interesting is that all of those shows, right? So food network, cooking channel, um, Bravo, all of those companies, those shows are, they're all like kind of couched together. So when you go to apply for those shows, it's the same contract for all of those shows. Ah, uh, that's networks. right. Yeah. They're, they're that's really- right. So, you know, it's not it's it's like you really can't get around it unless they come to you. I've heard of some people where they've come to them for certain things and then you were able to kind of get around it because they wanted to feature you. But if you go to them. Oh, yeah. Wow. All right. So, Tachi, what is your next pick? Okay, so my next pick is I don't know if you remember this or even saw it. But again, I absolutely loved PBS cooking shows. There was a show called Dessert Circus. Do you remember that? I don't. Dessert I have circus. never even heard of it. Oh, well, let me learn you. <laughs> so Dessert Circus is um, a show with um, Chef. If you don't know the show, you probably will know Chef Jacques Tour. Yes. Uh, he, yes. Yes. So he was the host of it. And it was all desserts. You know, they call him Mr. Chocolate. And so it was all desserts. And it was kind of modeled after a circus. So they would have these little cartoon, I guess now in the world of social media, think of how you have like stickers or lenses or overlays on Snapchat. Mm-hmm. Think of that. And it was little like circus clowns, uh, Ferris, we- uh, Ferris wheels, merry-go-rounds, dancers that would come on as he was doing the little recipes. It was so cute. And so you had the little circus. And here's the, the thing. Grand Marnier was one of the sponsors. So every bloody thing he made had Grand Marnier in it. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> so it was cute. It was re- the desserts looked really decadent and really good. A lot of chocolate, a lot of Grand Marnier. It w- they were things that uh, that looked really pretty, mm-hmm. but he broke it down so well that anybody probably, if they took the time, could make it. It was just because sometimes that's my gripe with cooking shows. Mm-hmm. You try these things, you're like, this ish is not. <laughs> this didn't come out right, and you can tell it's not going to come out right. So you put your own spin on it like this doesn't sound like a good mix but what he did with baking was just phenomenal pretty looks tasty and it had grand manier what else could you want why tachi like what year was do you remember which uh year the, that show was on i have never even heard of it yeah i want to i have to look look it up i had been trying to find the year but i want to say no, that this was was the early, like late nineties, early two thousands, uh, yeah, something to that effect, or even mid two thousands. I mean, it sounds wow. Awesome. We got liquor. Tasha, you we have totally liquor. stumped me. <laughs> this is the first time. Congrats! I- I'm patting myself on the back. <laughs> <laughs> and the wind goes to <laughs> me. <Right? laughs> uh, but the cool thing is, he's also, you know, it's not just like with a lot of chefs. He's also got uh, dessert circus books. Mm-hmm. So it shows you. So if you happen to have missed something on the show, 
it shows you step by step how to make these things. It's uh, extra dessert circus, extraordinary desserts you can make at home. So it's about pretty and about presentation and about taste, but you can make it. That's why I liked uh, dessert circus. Wow, what a great pick! Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I picked all common stuff. There you go, man. Now, now you're making me rethink my list. Like I got to come <laughs> out with something extra. Okay. I- <laughs> See, no, you can't cheat. You can't cheat. <laughs> All right, so my right, next Kevin, what's pick, yours? My next pick is actually I, I have to give a little bit of history uh, to go into my go. next pick. Go ahead. Okay, there was a show called Unique Eats, and it premiered on the Cooking Channel on May first, twenty ten. And the show had uh, chefs and food writers talking about everything delicious uh, from high-end cuisine to local uh, burger places. Uh, one of the things I loved about it. And they had so it was a collection of all these different people just talking about food. And they would actually go to the different restaurants and show uh, the, the some of the dishes that, that the restaurants were known for. And there would be like either themes or... Uh, uh, like like you know the best French food, or they would focus on a city, and um, the show was incredible. But my favorite uh, talking head uh, chef on that particular show was Leanne Wong. I don't know if you guys remember her, but she was actually uh, she came in fourth on the very first season of Top Chef, and she was. To me, she was always so incredibly just passionate about food. You could feel her passion. And she made every dish sound so incredibly sexy. I loved her description of food. I always felt like, you know, parental guidance is suggested if you're watching her with kids <laughs> in the room. It's like, yeah, you better leave the room because she's getting ready, she's getting ready to talk about this, like, you know, uh, hamburger that has, like, a, a sunny-side-up egg and frog on it. So it's going to, yeah, kids, cover the kids' eyes because it's going to get oh, intense. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, wow. so uh, the reason why I'm mentioning that show <laughs> is because my next pick is actually the sister show to that show, uh, Unique Sweets. <laughs> so, oh, I love Unique Sweets. Yeah, so Unique Sweets uh uh actually, you know, basically it's the same idea, but the focus was clear was totally on on uh all kinds of uh sweet, desserty kinds of things. And um it airs on currently it's airing on Sunday night. Right now, sadly, uh Unique Eats does not seem to be in production. So you can't even see that. So but Unique Sweets is currently on and um it features interviews with uh, one thing I love about the show is that they seem to uh cast really kind of interesting uh uh and very diverse kinds of uh talking heads on food, different mm-hmm. uh kinds of chefs and uh uh pastry chefs. Uh, uh, food writers, and a lot of them are really funny. Um, I have a, a, a few particular, my favorites would be, there's uh, 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 Georgia uh, uh, Hard, Hardstack, I'm, I'm butchering her name, Hardstack or Hardstock, uh, and then uh, Allie Ward. They both co-hosted a couple other shows on food on uh, Cooking Channel. They uh, co-hosted a show called The Classy Ladies, 
<laughs> that had like a real retro vibe to it where they would like host uh uh dinner parties and events for friends uh and then they had a show called tripping out with Allie in georgia where they would go all kinds of different places and experience the food in different towns so they are so funny and i just love their uh their take and the humor they bring to all their food descriptions and uh another one is paulette gatto i love her she's a, a she's a pastry chef and food writer always funny and always game to try anything kind of wacky and then zach young another uh pastry chef and uh he also is so passionate about anything that is like you know covered in sugar so you gotta love that and i am so i am so dedicated to this show that um i actually have a favorite episode that is still on my DVR. It won't go. <laughs> I refuse to get wow. rid of it. Okay. It was actually paying uh, that cable bill. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually their episode. Uh, their best. Uh, their breakfast pastry. Uh, 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 episode. It was see. It was season. Uh, uh, it was episode. Uh, wait, season two, episode seven. That will not I leave my DVR until I have actually in my myself have tried everything that they show on that episode that episode haunts me and so it's like it's it's a, a mental list and whenever i'm anywhere near those places that they featured i will try every pastry they showed well that's one reason why i absolutely i absolutely love unique sweets as well and i like unique eats too because it exposes you to so many different types of restaurants and different types of spots from hole in the walls to like full out you know really nice places and i'm like damn that looks good damn that looks good damn that looks good because i'm like a sugar person so i yeah every time i'm near one of those places i try and make a mental note so that i can go and try something there and they really do uh, um they really do seem to give you a feel of the vibe of uh of the each place that they're showing you and they give you uh, they give you a variety of things on that menu that they show you when they go to a particular place or on a particular theme when they're doing like best donuts um that's what's so great about the show it can be like best of a category or it can be like these are all the best sweets in chicago and they're just all around Chicago showing you everything, any kind of carb that is delicious in Chicago. They're going to let you know where it, where to find it. Wow. Chad, you were going to say something? Go ahead. You know, I mean, basically, desserts is the kind of thing where you feel like if I've seen one donut, I've seen them all, right? Like, you, you expect uniqueness from food, but you, never, you don't really expect that from desserts. I mean, these are the kind of people that they are adults that say, look, I still need a nap time, a snack time, and a play time, right? <laughs> So they are yeah. all the way out the box as adults. And I, I find it, it's refreshing when I see them come to their desserts with that same kind of passion. And I see a donut that looks like it could be half of a meal. And I know I'm not supposed to eat it, especially I'm diabetic. But I'm I'm literally <laughs> to go in. I mean, desserts, I, I got to agree with you. Unique Sweets is so awesome because you don't expect that creativity from desserts, but when you see it, you appreciate it, you love it, and you want it instantly, and you'll be damn mad because you can't have it right then while you're looking at it. Exactly. And, you know, the funny thing is with food, I mean, I get that same way with food, but there's something, like you said, about the craftiness of a well-crafted dessert, and usually when it looks amazing, 
it it just seems to me like it would taste amazing. Also, I mean, the two are not always, uh, you know, <laughs> harmonious. They, not <laughs> but right. it just yeah. looks. At least I can eat it with my eyes. Oh, yeah, nothing's yeah. more heartbreaking than to me when they do something that when you get when you see a cake or something and it looks incredible, and then you uh you know take a bite and it's like wah wah. So like <laughs> yes, they all they seem to specialize on showing places where it's a feast for the eyes and the palate. It's like it's a win-win. Yeah, hey, you know, and that is, I, I think they've got a little expertise at this. You're right. Their selections, they do pick incredible stuff. I know it's good. And, and if it's not, don't anyone ever out there ever tell me that it's not. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chad. So what is the next uh, show on your list? Okay, next show on my list. Um, and, and anybody that's ever spent eight hours, 10 hours, 12 hours in the kitchen, will really appreciate this show. It's called Cutthroat Kitchen. <gasps> Ooh. Right? So you know you know who Alton Brown is. I mean, obviously, he is the yeah. guy, right? He's the original gastronomer that is on the Food Network. He said, oh, the molecules of this atom do this, and gluten and yeast extract and expand and contract it. You know, that's what he does. So for someone that knows that much about food and how it works to invent a a, a prize or well, okay, a contraption where you're like, hey, chef, guess what? You lost this round. You've got to cook in a telephone booth. Really, guy? Really? As if it's not hard enough to produce food in 30 minutes. We're going to go ahead and make this harder. I mean, <laughs> I would never do the show, but it's absolutely hilarious to watch. That's my thing. Yeah, that wow. show, that, there's so much strategy involved in Cutthroat Kitchen yes. when when they get offered, because you, you, uh, the premise of the show, for those of you who haven't seen it, how you basically, each chef starts out with a pile of money. Do you remember exactly how much money they get at the beginning of the uh, each episode? I want okay. I know I'm wrong, right? So, so disclaimer ahead. But I want to say about ten thousand is what they get. Yeah. So they get a pile of money, and then they basically have to like uh, buy certain ingredients, and they can buy uh, obstacles for the other chefs that they're playing against. So Elton Brown will be selling basically the opportunity to make uh uh your comp the people com- you're competing against have to cook uh wearing oven mitts or something like that for five minutes oh, and wow. it's crazy it's cra- no really though have you ever seen Asachi? i have not seen it. of course i've seen uh trailer trailers and commercial but i have not watched the show me, so i'm living through you guys let me tell you i'm I'm gonna give you a hula hoop and make you and another chef stand back to back and y'all gotta work so you gotta switch times <laughs> You know, like, <laughs> wow. He's retarded. Yeah, stuff so like basically, that. yeah. So they start out. Everybody starts out with he gives everybody like a wad of cash, and mm-hmm. then uh, what ends up happening is you end up spending said cash to uh, uh, to basically either buy certain ingredients or to buy, buy advantages or buy disadvantages for your opponents. But it, the reason why it takes strategy is because if you spend all your money initially to try and avoid something bad, like having to add, uh, you know, like some weird yeah, ingredient yeah. to your dish, uh, if you spend all your money at the beginning, then for the other later rounds, the other person can like pay a dollar to basically screw you over. And, and in the end, the chef that basically uh, ends up the last man standing basically keeps all the cash that they did not spend. So yeah. you can, some people will actually win, but they'll have like $3. So the, the show is mean on several levels. So you've just uh, basically annihilated people for like $2. Yeah. That's, now you that's have everybody what's so shocking about the show. 
Listen, it is you cutthroat in every conceivable okay. way. We are no longer cool after this. Like, if I'm a chef and I go on that show with you as another chef and you put me... Wait, wait. What did he give someone as a knife? I mean, he gave someone something retarded. I think it was a saw. And this person had to use it as a knife. Listen, if you do that to me, other chef, we are no longer friends. Ever. Okay? Oh, no. I saw a person where they had to use, like, a credit card as their knife. (laughs) They had to use a credit card as their knife. Vicious. As a knife. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, vicious. The show is vicious. You gotta <laughs> check it out, Tachi. I that just sounds terrible. It's, it sounds interesting, but it sounds terrible. Because then, if I see what you do to me, would I want to hire you in the kitchen if you are a no holds barred and do whatever? I want to hire you. That's what I'm telling you, man. You you make some enemies. People sitting home watching, like, oh, that's dirty. That's just that's wrong. But it's good television, a, but you might not get hired again. Yeah. But what's amazing about the show is the creativity because it sometimes people get saddled with really crappy ingredients. Like all of a sudden, like it's say it's a uh, it's like we're it's a barbecue uh, challenge, and 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 you're making some kind of like uh, you're making some kind of a, a barbecue sandwich or whatever like that, and then I basically buy the chance to add an ingredient to your dish, and I give you peanut M and M's, and and to see and to see a chef make those peanut M&M's work with those barbecued ribs is crazy. It's crazy, right? Wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> cutthroat is serious, man. It's, it's another one of those. If you start watching it, you're gonna finish. Okay, well, I'll check it out. I definitely will check it out. Alright, Tachi, so what is your next pick? Okay, so going along with that, uh, the whole Alton Brown thing, I absolutely love Good Eats. Uh, Why? Uh, because I'm a techie and I'm a nerd and I love the scientific in- information that he gives along with. He, you're right. He is a gastrologist, a gas- gastronomer, whatever the word is. <laughs> he is that and then some. So he's actually and he's Southern. Mm-hmm. So he has a little bit of knowledge of uh, Southern cooking and, and Southern food. So he it seems to me like if you tried to make something that Alton Brown made, it would come out right. Because not only has he given you the ingredients and he's walking you through the steps, he has given you the background history of, you said, the molecular structure of this mm-hmm. piece of meat and why this will do better if you sit it upright as you cook. Exactly. He Alton, breaks it down. Alton Brown, he breaks it down all the way down till it can't be broken down anymore. And, I, and then it's, again, theater. I love theater. So he has like all these different people, like maybe they might be real scientists that come on. Yep. He'll have uh, people that are playing like pieces of lettuce. And it the whole thing is just theatrical and entertaining because you can, there, there are shows that are simply how to. Mm. This show is how to, why, and why you want to. Uh, it's it's fabulous. Uh, so I love I love Good Eats. So I don't. It's not really on anymore. It's like everything is uh, replays reruns, or yeah. reruns that they're showing. But I I love when I see Good Eats is on. I will sit down and watch that. Oh wow! No, that Good Eats was a great show, and it's no, sadly no longer in production. But who was? Do you remember how he had like a, a woman that the, when he would go out to buy equipment that was kind of like a cue of in the James Bond series? There was a woman that yeah. would always come and give him the information, the lowdown on a particular piece of equipment. Yes, I don't remember her name, oh, no. but I do. Remember. <laughs> do you, Chad, remember I, her name? I don't remember her name, and for some reason, all I see is Alton Brown in like a turkey costume from the Thanksgiving episode. So I'll draw <laughs> blanks. Um, yeah. <laughs> 
Well, anyway, that, that you're right, uh, Tachi. That was a great show and it's so informative. And what's great about that show is even in reruns, it's great because it's teaching you so many basic lessons about uh, food preparation. And that that information never goes out of style, uh, you know, on how to fry something properly and what the best temperature for frying is and uh, and the mm-hmm. and softball, uh, hardball, hard crack, all those different stages in making candy. Though that information, it will always be true. Always, always, always. Absolutely. All right. So I've given mine. My dear friend, tell us what your next pick is. All right. <laughs> um, this is kind of hard. This is a little weird. Um, of course. <laughs> all right. Now, I'm kind of mentioning some uh, – how can I say this? I'm kind of mentioning two things. Uh, damn it. You know what? I'm going to just change my – I was going to mention something else and try to cram a couple things in there, but I won't do that like what I normally here, here do. Here we go. Here we go. I Chad, you have it. to know I won't we do, do it today. this. We do this, Chad. We try and sneak in extras after we've already set that it's like five. We will try and sneak in. Oh, but this is kind of related to this because I have one of those too. Go on, Kevin. Go on. All right. Okay. There uh in uh there's a show <laughs> there's a show uh called uh Heart and Soul uh with Kylie Kwong and um this show this show uh, was uh premiered in 2003 and to give you an idea of who this woman uh is uh is basically um if fashion uh designer Vera Wang uh was a professional chef living in Australia she would be Kylie Kwong uh what i love about this woman is there's so many stories and there's so many lush visuals to the show um the there's two there's more probably more than two seasons but i only had access to two seasons of her show the first season of the show we learn about her growing up in the suburbs of Sydney, Australia, uh, being a person of uh, Chinese descent, but she was born in Australia. And so the kind of culture clash uh, that she grew up with and what, what the kid down the street was eating versus what she was eating at her home and how she kind of melded kind of uh, uh, the Australian sensibility of cooking with uh her family's uh chinese sensibility and uh she tells us stories about like growing up with her going to her uncle's noodle factory that uh was near her house and just the show is so incredibly beautifully produced it's just a feast for the eyes and the music the soundtrack for the show is as beautiful as the uh visuals which i love that was season one Okay. All about Sydney and all about her childhood and how it affects her food because she's also a restaurateur. And that was great. But then the second ep- uh, season uh, was her in uh, China getting in touch with her roots. And she takes us all around these different provinces uh, uh, and little places in China that we would never see where people are like, you know, cooking in the street. And, um, and, and we learned so many basics about China. Chinese cuisine and uh, the whole uh, the unami and salty and sweet and sour, all the different kinds of taste and different ways of uh, bringing them together. And again, with some of the most stunning visuals, it's it's like it's some kind of like almost like a meditation when you watch the episodes. They're so 
beautiful. And the mm. one reason I'm mentioning this show is the last time I checked, it's available on Hulu uh, to screen. So I highly recommend if you if you are curious about food and you want, uh, I also like kind of like to to vacation through my food shows and to get a look at, and the first season, like I said before, it's all about uh, Australia, um, Sydney and city life and the nightlife uh, of, uh, of Sydney and then to, uh, for season two for us to her to take us on a journey to China to all kinds of places that I would have never had access to it's just an incredible show it sounds incredible I'm gonna have to catch that you yeah, said you could Kylie Kwong Kylie Kwong heart and soul it was an incredible show and it actually aired in America on uh, uh, Discovery Home and Leisure, later later turned into Discovery Home, and now is sadly no more. I loved a lot of the food shows that used to be on that channel. Mm. Wow. Wow, yeah. All right, so, good, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, 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 you're good. I'm, I'm, I'm jonesing over here. I'm, yeah. Going back to my <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, so, uh, Chad, what is your next pick? I think oh. we're up to, are we up to, like, number, your number four pick now? This is Yeah, four. we're on number four. And this is not a show, but a movie because it, it, I mean, this, this like touched my heart, man. Um, Ratatouille. Oh, wow. Oh, that's so good. That is an excellent pick. I mean, Little Chef and Everybody Can Cook. I'm not going to do my horrible French accent because it's bad, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I, I literally watched that movie and, um, it, it did something for me as an adult as a chef and I literally went in, we went to Disney and I got me a ratatouille I got me a little chef and I put him in my kitchen um Aww. because oh. it's I mean I don't know I, I really do believe in my heart that everybody can cook and I think that the best flavors come from some of the most unlikely sources and I, I can't rule someone out by how they look or how they appear. I mean, literally, listen, my wife would burn water, okay? She is an attorney. <laughs> She's not a chef. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm not joking. When I met her, I knew my game plan. I was like, look, I'm a cook. I'm going to make this work. Yeah, I got this one. And, and guess what? At this point in her life, after us being married, she can now go into, and not can, she has gone into culinary competitions with professional chefs and want. Wow. wow. Without me. So. Wow. So I'm telling you, man, that Ratatouille, man, that, that uh, holds a special place, man. It gets me awesome. here, man. It chokes me up, man. <laughs> and you don't even think about the fact when you're watching the movie that these are some damn rats in a damn <laughs> kitchen around some damn food yeah, you, cooking my food. Yeah. Because yeah. when you think about it, that's kind of nasty. But when you watch the movie, it's so heartwarming. There's a message there. So I, I get it. Mm -hmm. But it wouldn't be cool if it was reenacted live action, believe me. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Not in real life. It's great because it's Disney, okay? Not in real life, though. You know, only, only Disney can make a rat adorable. A, a, a rat in a kitchen adorable. Exactly. Exactly. And exotic. In France at that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. All right, right Tachi. So what is your next pick? Okay. My next pick, it's funny you said about how we try to cram things in. And I am cramming in three because it's all the same person. <laughs> <laughs> how are you going to tell him not to do it? You're going to come right back and do it. Oh, Chad, did God anybody gee. ask you? 
Did anybody ask you, Chad? Josh, you were my role model. I am so disappointed in you. See, don't act out because we have company, uh, Kevin. (laughs) (laughs) Don't act out because we have company. (laughs) So my three, and I did this because I love all of the shows equally, maybe one more than the other, but it's all the same person. I am an Anthony Bourdain stan. I love Anthony Bourdain. Uh, so my three, my one slash three are no reservations, the layover and parts unknown. And the reason I like these is because he explores culture through food. And you can say that about other cooking shows, but not the way he does. So he infuses travel. So of course, you know, no reservations started off on the travel channel that ran from 2000, uh, Five to 2012, so it had a, a really good run, seven seasons. Uh, the layover then was for two years, 2011 to 2013, and it was a cool idea because it was like in the layovers that he had flying, what could he find that was interesting uh, culinary-wise? And then, of course, now on CNN, he's uh, since 2013, he's been doing Anthony Bourdain Parts Unknown. He has exposed us to so many different cultures, both abroad and in the United States. I remember that he did, so he did two of the places I've lived. So I grew up, I'm not originally from Buffalo, New York, but I grew up in Buffalo, New York. He did Buffalo, which was really cool to be, because nobody, Buffalo was just kind of sad and it sits by itself, but he explored it in a way that's like, wow, I never thought about beef on a weck like that before. And then uh, he did, he did, I don't know if you remember, uh, Chad, that he did down here. He did South Florida, Mm -hmm. but he didn't do the typical. Everybody thinks Latin. Everybody thinks Little Havana. Everybody thinks Caribbean. He did some of that, but he did Nigeria. And I'm Nigerian, so he went, He told, and that's how I found out that there was a community of about 6,000 Nigerians that live here in South Florida. He went to this spot, so we don't really have Nigerian restaurants, but we have, there's a spot. So he went there, and I was like very impressed. This was on no reservations. So he goes to the off-the-beaten-path places, not the regular touristy places in Europe or any of these other places. He specifically looks for these places, the hole in the walls in different countries in Africa, in uh, Asia, in Europe, also in South America. He's been to every continent with the exception of Antarctica, and he explores it well every time. So I have to say that Anthony Bourdain and his suite of shows are favorites of mine. Wow. Yeah, Anthony Bourdain. That, yeah. All right. Yeah, no, Anthony Bourdain um, is famous for a reason. And you're right, Tachi. He takes you places that you not only would you not go, but you wouldn't even know to go to these places. Exactly. And you might not eat there on your own. (laughs) Oh, no, that's (laughs) one thing. That man is brave. There is no place that he will, because sometimes I'll see some places that he wanders into, and I'm thinking, I wouldn't sit down, let alone eat. Let's be real, because we all have reservations. I'm sorry, sir. Um, But, (laughs) you know, if you've read uh, Kitchen Confidential, yes, that is the, I mean, that was like a, a, a wildfire, and that's what started him on this track, because he just said, you know what? All the stuff that people aren't supposed to know about our industry, here you go, you know? And, and so I guess after you're able to publish that and live with yourself in a city like New York where it's so hypersensitive and you're worried about what other people think so much, you know, I guess you can go off and eat like buttered snake eel something. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, you know what else I like about Anthony Bourdain? The fact that he really doesn't give a damn. He's got this kind of nonchalant, laid-back attitude. He's not putting on airs. I love energetic chefs and energetic television personalities, but that's not necessarily him. So they'll be, you know, wanting him to come dance. He's like, I'm not dancing. Which is so cool because I'm like, that's him. And he's not trying to be somebody that he's not. He knows he's this type of person. He can be moody. He can be, but it works. And the thing is, he, but he really respects the cultures and the food that he tries. And, and I think it's amazing. I just love how you. I love how you're like. Oh, not necessarily energetic. The man seems like he's always like on a Xanax. He's always just and and what's crazy is he can manage to seem like uh he can he can manage to seem like halfway buzzed and grumpy at the same time. He's constantly annoyed, but game to put anything in his mouth. Just that is such an odd combination. Well, the constantly annoyed is called being an executive chef. Okay. <laughs> that is what the executive chef is. Just prepare. You don't know what's going to set him off. The water is too hot. Like you just don't know. It's just, it's something. That's what that is. Okay. Well, All see, right. thank well, you for, for filling us in. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you very much. But uh, he's also a great speaker. We did at the university that I worked at, we did bring him as a speaker and it was it was a conversation so it was it was great so yeah that's my fourth pick anthony bourdain anthony bourdain all right well um, all right so someone's gonna ask me i, I guess. was about to ask you <laughs> my i next was about pick. to ask you what <laughs> i was about to ask you oh you all right the gun. what are you gonna ask me tachi just Kevin, i was going to ask you what your fourth pick was oh my god tachi thank you for asking all right <laughs> My next pick is Nigella Bites. Uh, ah. the, sh- the show premiered in the U.S. on the Style Channel, of all places, in 2000. Uh, and the title came from Nigella Lawson's uh, book of the same name. It was the third book. She actually, uh, from this, she was a food writer. She wrote for Vogue. Not only did she write for Vogue, she was actually the food editor for Vogue. She wrote for the New York wow. Times. Uh, she did a food column for them. And she wrote this book that was so, it sounds kind of like pat to say indulgent, but I can't think of an, a better way to put it. The food was so indulgent. And what I love about her is that she truly celebrates food a lot of people that are on tv say they love food and you're like well all right i guess you say so but with her (laughs) you could feel her love you could feel her passion for food and what i love about the show was a couple things a the production values were off the charts because the show felt so intimate it's like the show actually was filmed at her actual house take notes jada de filming at your so-called house wink wink <laughs> but anyway <laughs> was filmed at her actual house with her actual children there and we got a chance to see her life in uh in london as she went uh shopping i love 
watching her go on shopping excursions in London grocery stores. And what was so neat about her shows were, A, like I said before, they were gorgeously shot, so beautiful to look at. And the show had a damn good soundtrack. I can't say enough how important music can be in setting the mood. That's one of the things we didn't talk about on Anthony Bourdain's show, that he has, each episode has a great soundtrack. And that really elevates it and a jealous show the the music that was original for her show created originally for her show was beautiful and what i loved about the show was how the different themes of each episode like she had a a all-day breakfast where she basically um makes her favorite breakfast foods but how you basically have uh you know uh early morning breakfast the things that kind of breakfast things you'd have for like a brunch and then for what she would have like uh when she was uh in a hurry and ended up making some kind of egg thing for dinner that was a great episode she did uh an episode called party girl where she made all her favorite party foods um she did a food uh, episode called trashy where she made all of the things that you're not supposed to make as a person who loves food but she still loves and thinks are delicious uh rainy days which i love because to me when it comes to there are certain kinds of foods for certain kinds of times and moments and to just celebrate the whole rainy day vibe and just like it's rainy in the morning when it's raining in the morning, this is what you should eat. And this is what you eat on a rainy afternoon. And this is what you read uh, that you eat at on, on a rainy night. And um, one of my other favorite things about the show was the show had a money shot every single episode. And what the Nigella uh, Bites money shot for me was at the end of every episode, the house would be dark. And all of a sudden, you would see... Uh, the a refrigerator door open and it's in the middle of the night and the uh and you see Nigella's incredibly beautiful face lit only by the light of the refrigerator, exactly. and we would see her reach inside yeah. the refrigerator and take out uh some some uh, some leftovers of something that she had cooked during that episode, and she would take a uh a, an incredibly sensual bite of this food as the credits rolled and then and and she would just have this look of sheer ecstasy and satisfaction on her face and then she closed the refrigerator door and the show was over oh man you know that's eye candy that it really is though but i can so relate to that because in my home i know my fridge better than anybody else in my home right hands down and i'll be thinking of something that i made and waiting for it when I get home because it's it when you first make it it's good but it is so much better about later that evening those two o'clock munchies or the next yes you know isn't it true that see because I don't you know everybody's like piping hot foods first of all I don't like food piping hot because you can't taste it and it seems like later the flavors have melded together and it tastes like what it should taste like is that true Chad well that is actually true for food so there are certain things like um like we talked about desserts right cheesecake cheesecake is great when it first comes out but it's so much better the next day and Italian we all know that Italian is better on day two or three, okay? Oh, Italian- any, yeah. You, oh, Chad, anything with tomato in it, any tomato-based thing seems to be better the next day. It really yes. is. There's some food that I tell people, I'm like, listen, you just have to give it a second to come together. You know, I know yes. steak takes five minutes to rest. Apparently, this takes eight hours. We're not judging the food. <laughs> 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 we just, you know, we're going to go with it. 
All right, Chad, what is your, this is your last pick. What is your last favorite food TV show, movie, or anything? So my last favorite food TV show, movie, anything is not solely based on food. It is kitchen makeovers. Okay. <gasps> ah. okay it, it It is my guy, Gordon Ramsay. Okay. It is the, the Mr. Angry Man himself. Okay. It is him coming into a place and saying, hey, look, with a little bit of common sense, because that's what I'm calling it, right? Like, I choose to say there's a lot of idiots in the world, so we have to spread common sense. But with a little bit of common sense and some care, right, we can not only turn your place around and save it so that you don't lose everything that you've, you know, invested your whole life into this. But we can do that in a week. One week. You've been trying to do this for 10 years, and in one week, we can <laughs> I mean, you got to feel a little idiotic. Someone comes in, you've been working on this for 10 years. They do it in a week. But Gordon Ramsay is not our average man or our average chef. So, you know. Okay, you know what? I got to ask you about this, Chad, because this has been something that I have really wondered about when it comes to that show. I have watched it, and I agree. It's damn good television. But what's shocking to me is the reason why I question if, if it's a real show, if this is real reality or like, quote, I'm doing air quotes, TV reality, is the mm-hmm. fact that if I am inviting Gordon Ramsay to come to my restaurant to help me save it with a camera crew, what, am I going to let my walk-in just be absolutely <laughs> filthy? Just <laughs> filthy. Filthy. Um, so the only reason why I would say that there, there's a yes that that's potentially real is because the realities of running a small restaurant is lost on anybody that has never done it. I, I can't imagine too many other jobs that are as physically and emotionally taxing as doing that, running a small restaurant. And there really are not enough hours in a day. And if you haven't set up your staff in such a way that they're participating in the cleaning, you can get behind and in and in literally three days worth of not cleaning you'll you won't get mold in three days mold is like a mold is at least a weaker right um but you could have some pretty gross nasty stuff and so if you get busy if you get behind even though you know gordon ramsay's coming what do we do when we got to do something Uh, i know i got two weeks to do this i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it a day before you're up all night trying to clean trying to do something and guess what you're gonna miss it He's going to find it because he's not looking for the obvious stuff to clean. He's looking for the places. Did you pull your stove out? You know how the hinges on the back of your door look like, you know, I mean, and so, yeah, it, it really can happen. People truly are overwhelmed in the emotional toll, especially when it's a family place, man, like husbands and wives at each other's throats, moms and dads. And I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, it is. It is rough and you are not in your right mind because your only thought is making it through the next day. Wow. wow. That's good to know because um, another thing that always is stunning to me on the show is uh, how emotionally attached people that have invited him in are to things on their menu. When he's telling them that, like, okay, this dish on your menu, A, it doesn't fit anything on your menu. It, you're losing money making said dish. It, it takes too, it's too labor intensive. <laughs> Take this off your menu, and then they're all like, "This is my restaurant. Don't you tell me what to do. You get out." Or they storm off. I'm like, "Wait a minute. What did you think was gonna happen?" <laughs> when you came? 
these people, it's not that they're attached to the menu item. It's they're attached at this point. By the time Gordon Ramsay gets to the menu item, he's not attacking the menu anymore. He's attacking you because he's going top to bottom throughout your restaurant and said that everything that you thought was wrong. So, I mean, you know, this is something you really put your heart into. You thought you had made smart decisions. So you can't fight back when he says this is dirty and this has to be clean. But you damn sure can fight back when he says that menu item isn't good. And that's the only place. So I'm making my stand on this menu item, even though I know it's wrong. They know it's wrong. And he cuts you down there, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So are you talking about the British version or are you talking about the American version or both? I'm talking about more the American version. Um, I think uh, no offense to Americans, um, but I think the British people kind of kind of handle criticism a little bit better. we we're we're more sensational, man. We be in our feelings so so crazy, um, you know. Yeah, definitely the American version, man. We get we get real emotional about that. And well, you know, it seems, it seems like the people on the British version of the show have actually watched the show and they know what's going to happen. Versus the Thank Americans, you. it's like are, they have absolutely no. I they don't know who he is. They don't understand what's happening. Who's, why, are they, the why is there a camera in my restaurant? It's they seem completely clueless and shocked. It's all a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. It, it also makes you think about when you go out to eat, where you go out to eat. Oh. Because like you said, it, it's really difficult to, first of all, the restaurant business is difficult anyway. Mm-hmm. It, it's difficult to start. It's difficult to stay in business. Mm-hmm. Or, well, for some people, it, it seems, seems simple to start, but it's difficult to stay in business. And so then you've got all these other pressures, both professional and personal, and things are, are piling up, getting dirty. So then, you know, and you see why, but then you have, you go out and sit down and eat. And that's what makes me think about about that when i do go out to yeah so it's interesting all right so tachi what is your last pick my last pick is a television show from the bbc that i absolutely loved you all know that i love well at least kevin you know that i love britcoms this is a show that was on the air from 1993 to 1996 on the bbc called chef i think chef uh i I'm going to have to look for it, but go for it. Yes. So it's chef with an exclamation point at the end. It starred Lenny Henry, uh, who was a comedian, Lenny Henry, Caroline Lee Johnson, and Roger Griffith. So it's basically, it was created by Lenny Henry. And the uh, if you know the British singer Omar... He sang the theme song, Serious uh, Profession, which I absolutely love because I love Omar as well. So he starred as Gareth Blackstock, and he was talented. He, uh, What was the name of the uh, the restaurant? Chateaubriand, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And it was a French restaurant in London. And he was talented, but he was arrogant as hell. He was a tyrant. Every time he's like, all right, do this. And they're, they're all like, yes, chef. Yes, chef. I mean, he was terrible. And it, the, the interesting thing is it took a toll on his marriage because his uh, he had a this French restaurant. He was uh, the executive chef for and owner. So if you get British humor and if you get like British, and of course, he's of Jamaican heritage. So one time his father came on the show and doesn't like all that shishi, frou-frou, frou-frou stuff he makes. He's like, where's the chicken? That type of stuff. So I'm going to look on Netflix hilarious. to see if they so have that. Because, man, listen, that looks good. Uh, I actually just Googled like it. That looks awesome. That, that's right YouTube. up my alley. So it's from the BBC, and it's called Chef. Mm-hmm.
is hilarious. You've got to see it. Wow. Have I you have ever seen heard, it, Kevin? I've never heard of that. I'm going to have to check that out, Tanji. Yes, Chef is it. Not to belabor the point anymore, Kevin, I want to know what your final pick is. Wow, Tanchi, it touches my heart that you care enough to ask. All right. Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my final pick is the queen, the current queen, and for me, she will always be the queen of Food Network, the Barefoot Contessa. Oh, oh I should have known. You're constantly talking about her. Okay. <laughs> yes. Why? Why is that your pick? Okay. Um, well, first of all, the I got to give a little bit of background. Okay. The, the show premiered on Food Network in 2002. And after the success of uh, her book, The Barefoot Contessa Cookbook, and the second, her second book, The Barefoot Contessa Parties, uh, Ina Gardner was approached by Food Network to do a show. They approached her several times, and several times she said no, until they, uh, the production company that did a little show called Nigella Bites was brought into the mix, and they presented them to to Ina Gardner and she's like wait a minute all right sign me up and she was given a 13 episode deal with uh these British partners and the rest is food tv history the show is beautifully produced just like what they did yes. with Nigella they give you your inside the the show is actually shot at uh Ina Garten's uh actual house in her actual kitchen all the early episodes uh were shot in her actual kitchen in her actual house still shot on the grounds of her house but after I guess so many years her husband was like you know what I'm sick of a camera crew being in our actual kitchen so they built like a another kitchen like literally in her backyard <laughs> an entertaining space that's in her backyard that's basically just a kitchen and a dining space that uh, that they can film her newest episodes in because the show is still in production and what i love about the show is just on a garden she is such an to me interesting person she's had such a full life i mean she actually worked in the white house at one point and she left government behind and ended up opening her own uh grocery store in the hamptons uh her own little uh, uh at the time it was like a little hole in the wall kind of uh, uh gourmet shop and uh it was an instant hit and it grew and she had to change locations and change locations again she uh ended up buying an old Dean and DeLuca and she was everything and people were asking her about what she made and, and the re- and the different recipes because she had a lot of ready uh, to go food there and she wrote the first cookbook and she was off to the races and the show like Nigella Bites uh, the same producer uh, production company the show is beautiful looking the show has a great soundtrack they have original music that was uh, created for her show and one of the things I love about the show and there's just a, like a level of disbelief I got to talk about one of my favorite things on the show that, that it's always been like something that means so silly. Okay. Uh, her show is all about her cooking for her husband, Jeffrey, because Jeffrey has the best life in the world. He basically comes home to their, I don't know, their estate in the Hamptons and has yes. his wife make the most incredibly delicious food for him. And they're incredibly rich 
cool friends. <laughs> that's that's his life. And so one of the things I love about that is as the friends in in her orbit. And one of my favorite episodes is like one of the Christmas episodes because she's Jewish. So they how they shoehorn Christmas things in is like one of the episodes or Christmas episode was it was like a couple of her friends are out of town. And so Ina's gonna surprise them for Christmas. And she has her friend who is a florist and another friend of hers sneak into their house, which where I live is called breaking and entering. But in the Hamptons, <laughs> it's a delightful thing to do. You just break into your friend's house and you're going to basically put up a Christmas tree and decorate right? the whole thing. So they show up with these flowers and a Christmas tree and they make it into a Christmas wonderland while we cut back to, we cut back to Ina in her kitchen making these incredibly delicious decadent things for them to nosh on when they get home. She's making like white, white chocolate, hot chocolate. Wow. And all these great, uh, uh, things for them to eat when they, cause they're, they're actually uh, returning from vacation. So that's the idea of the episode. But my favorite part of the episode is, when the two friends arrive home and they open the door and they see that their house christmas out the incredible christmas tree incredible flowers the house is ready for uh el decor magazine shoot christmas edition it's ready for the cover and they walk in and they're like oh my god what happened our house looks incredible who did this wait a minute there's a basket full of these delicious homemade treats who could have done this and i'm I'm thinking why don't you ask the camera crew that's filming you maybe they know who did this (laughs) but they never ask no matter how many times i watch that episode they never ask the camera crew who's responsible for this so that's why i love the barefoot contessa that must be really nice because when i came home from uh vacation after christmas there was a gecko waiting for me That's, (laughs) that's about it (laughs) nobody nobody came into your house and decorated it from top to bottom and left a whole bunch of uh uh, gourmet uh treats all over your house the gecko asked me where's my food that that's that's what the gecko had so that must be nice to be living it up in the hampton so i love the barefoot contessa as well and that's it for us we've got our five uh top picks out we we did a good job we didn't go too much over so that was that was good that was good and so i just really want to thank you chad for hanging out with us today and on our crazy show but we love it and we love that you were here to participate with us oh man thank you guys so much y'all are fun anytime you do the skin food or other stuff if you just need crazy commentary chef chad is your guy yeah, Chad, you have been great, and you've given us so much great information too. So it it was you were fun, and we actually learned something too. So I really appreciate you being on the show. Well, we're gonna have to have you back. All right. Well, I guess it's time for us to wrap the show up, Tachi. Yeah, yeah, let's wrap it up. So again, I want to say thank you, or we want to say thank you to Chef Chad Cherry. Chad, before you go, can you give your uh, social media, like your Twitter handle, whatever, if people want to check you out? Yeah, so I don't tweet much, but on Instagram, it's Channel Chad, Channel Like the TV, on Facebook, Chad Cherry, and our business page, Refresh Live, on the grant, or well, on the World Wide Web, it's RefreshLiveinc.com. Fantastic. Thank you. So we'll be definitely checking you out. And we hope that you guys check out Chef Chad Cherry as well. This has been a great opening to our second season. See, uh, actually, what is this? This is episode seven, as I said. So we thank all of you for listening because you actually make the show. And I'm going to let Kevin tell you a little bit about how you can find us on social. All right. We are 
everywhere you want to be on social media. You can find us on our Facebook page and you can write to us with any kind of comments or anything that you would love us to talk about on the show. We want to hear your inputs on your input on any of the episodes. Feel free to uh, message us about that on either Facebook, on Instagram. We're on Snapchat and we are on Twitter and our handle is TV channeling everywhere. So please write to us and follow us on Twitter because we, as much as we love to talk about uh, food, uh, food and uh, TV shows here, we love to type about it on the internet as well. Absolutely. So that wraps it up for now. And I'm going to say goodbye from Tachi. And goodbye from Kevin. And remember, if you're watching it, we're talking about it. Cheers. Bye. <laughs>